1: does not become effective. It does not go into force until the person dies, and then it goes into force. And it's at the time of death when the will goes into force. And that's the same is true about the New Testament that the Lord Jesus made. When he spoke about the New Testament, he was speaking about what would come into force after he died, just like any will it, it, it is counted on and relied on and it happens when the person dies it doesn't go into force until the person dies and that's the way it is with the Lord Jesus that the new testament comes into force after he dies and this is the whole point that's being made that's being that's being made here in Hebrews 9:15 Hebrews 9:15 when it says for this cause he is the mediator of the new testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were first under the the, the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For a testament is, for for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it's no more strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament, that would be the old covenant, was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats, with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkle both the book and the people, saying, this is the blood of the, of the Testament, which God hath enjoined unto you. So the New Testament, the New Covenant, it comes into force with the Lord Jesus after his blood is shed, after he dies. That's why he said in, in Luke twenty two twenty, this is the New Testament in my blood, in my blood. It was only because it, it, with all the last wills and Testament, it only comes into force when the person dies, when the blood is, when there's blood. In the past, when a covenant was made, there was the killing of animals and the cutting up of those animals. We saw that. We see that in the case of Abraham. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he said to Abraham, Abraham, I promise I'm going to give you a son. Abraham, I promise I'm going to give you a land of Canaan. And then we said we could see Abraham and imagine that he was saying to himself, that's a covenant. That's a covenant that God with me. God with me. Need blood. Need blood now. I need to kill some animals. Cut them up. Need blood of the covenant, which is what Abraham did in Genesis 15, 7. Genesis 15, 7. Genesis 15, 7. He said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee forth out of the land, out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. He said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? He said unto me, take me a heifer of three years old, a she-goat of three years old, a ram of three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took them all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other. But the birds he divided up. So Abraham could say about the covenant of God made for him, this is a covenant made in the blood of the heifer, the doe, the, 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 the ram, the turtle dove, and the, and, the, and the young pigeon. This is the blood of the covenant. Just as the Lord Jesus said, this is the New Testament in my blood. And so with Abraham, the, 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 the covenant that God made with him, there was the blood of the Abrahamic covenant. And this is what happened with Noah. When Noah, God made a covenant with Noah, and God made a promise to Noah. It, when, when Noah left the ark, he told them that, that, that he should live, that the animals should live, that they should multiply, and God made a covenant. And Noah, Noah then thinks to himself, That's a covenant. That's a promise that God made with me. As soon as I get in this ark, get out of this ark, I need to kill some animals and have the blood of this covenant, which is what Noah did in Genesis 8:15. Genesis 8:15, God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy son, thy sons, and thy wife and thy sons, thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee all flesh, both the fowl, cattle, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons and his wife and his son's wife with him, every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, whatsoever creepeth upon the earth, after their kinds went forth out of the ark. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And, and, now, and, then, and now we come up to where we've been talking about in, in, about Moses standing at the base of the Mount Sinai. He reads the words of God, he hear, and he, he, he hears he, he, and, and all the people hear, "That's a covenant. God is saying, "If you do this, you will live. This do and live." That was a promise. This do and live." That was a promise." And at that time, we can imagine the people saying, "That's a covenant that I just heard that God made with us. We need blood. Where's the blood of the covenant? Moses. And then Moses comes in in Exodus twenty four seven Exodus twenty four seven where he took the book of the covenant read in the audience of the people they said all that the Lord has said we will do be obedient Moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people and said behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning his words so it's all like when the, when people heard Moses tell the words of the Lord the people heard God say oh the people heard God was saying oh that's a covenant. God is saying, that's a covenant he's making with us. And Moses answering the question, and then they, Moses answers the question. He asks the question, where's the blood? Here it is. And he sprinkles it. Here it is. Here's the blood of the covenant. So the disciples are hearing the Lord Jesus' pledge, promise, that God's going to forgive them of their sins, going to remove their sins, going to give them eternal life. He said a lot of things in, in John 14. And they understood, oh, that's a covenant. That's a covenant. So just as the people at the base of Mount Sinai in Exodus 24, they look at Moses and they say, where's the blood of the covenant? And Moses says in Exodus 24, 8, here it is. Here's the blood of the covenant. Just as the disciples looked at the Lord Jesus and say, that was a covenant. Where's the blood of the covenant? And the Lord Jesus answers them in Luke 22, 20. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the blood of the covenant. This is, here's the New Testament in my blood, in my blood. So this is another great accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus. It's the blood of the covenant that God pledges to forgive us, to take away our sins, and make us fully accepted with God. Where there is an agreement between two parties, as in this case God and us, it is a mutual agreement where one party calls the covenant, that's my covenant, and the other party calls the covenant, that's my covenant, it's mutual and the Lord Jesus is called in in, in, in John 120 in, in John 1.29, he's called the Lamb of God. And in the Lamb of God. But then in, in, in 1 Corinthians 5:7, 1 Corinthians 5.7, he is called Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. He's called our, our Passover. And then, when when God is speaking about delivering Israel, delivering Israel in Zechariah nine eleven, Zechariah nine eleven, He says, "As for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water." So we see now why the Lord Jesus calls the New Testament the New Testament in My Blood. But with all agreements, this new testament, this any agreement, and this, it must be accepted by man. It must be accepted by man. It's not automatic. God is not going to force this on any man. And the question might be asked: God would say, God anticipates the question. Israel might be asked, "Why do I need it? So who needs it? Why do I need this new testament, this new agreement with God in the blood of the Lord Jesus?" This is a common question of the Jewish people today. Jewish people say, I'm a good person. Who needs it? Who needs it? And the truth is, is that a person will not feel his need for this New Testament or new agreement unless he sees his need, unless he sees his need. So that's why God took time to tell Israel about the deep need that they had for this agreement with God in Isaiah 1-2. Isaiah 1-2, I know we've been speaking a lot from Isaiah 1-9, but this is Isaiah 1-2 where God says, he makes this proclamation, and he wants everybody to hear it. So he says in Isaiah 1-2, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they've rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. You know, he's saying they don't even consider A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They've gone away backwards. Now, with those those statements there, God is pretty much saying, You have a great need, Israel, a great need. And no one's going to come to the Lord Jesus and the New Testament in His blood unless they see themselves as that kind of a person, not just the garden variety of sinners, but that group of sinners that's called the dirty, rotten sinners. And that, that, that's what that's describing here in Isaiah 1 2 through, through, 1, 2 through 4. But God goes on and he describes, well, let me tell you about an even deeper need that you have, an even deeper level. Of, and he says to Israel, going on in the next verses, is Isaiah 1, 5, Isaiah 1, 5, God asks the question, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The heart is faint. From the sole of your foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They've not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. So here God told Israel that there's really no hope for change in you And, 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 you know, God is saying, I don't know why I'm wasting my time. It's a waste of time for me. It's a waste of time for you, for me to chasten you and try to correct you when he makes a statement in Isaiah 1, 5, such as, the whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. That's pretty strong words. When he said the whole head is sick, that means you don't even have the capability of thinking it through and considering maybe what happened to me is because of my sin. No, your head is sick. The whole heart is faint means that, that Israel didn't even, didn't even have the strength of heart to turn to God for help. Now, you know, I'm talking about Israel, and so don't, don't fall into the trap and thinking, well, that's them, not me. No, no, it's to the Jew first and also to us. You no, know, the Jews are just like everybody else, only more so. So God told Israel that that, that that was their sick condition. and then. It, but Israel says, but I have religion. I have a lot of religion. I have a wonderful religion. It's so many years old. It's very, And the religion keeps changing and refining. We have a big, huge series of books here called the Talmud, the Mishnah, the Gomorrah. And we keep adding to it. We keep refining our religion. It's getting better and better. So God has a comment about the religion when he says in Isaiah 114, Isaiah 114, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth they are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I'll hide my eyes. I'll hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, uh, 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 I won't hear. Your hands are full of blood. So God told Israel, you, you, are de- you are really desperately sunken in sin. There's no hope for you responding to God's chastening. Your religion is disturbing to me. And God puts it in, in, in Isaiah 114. We just read Isaiah 114. They are a trouble to me. The religion is a trouble to me. I'm weary to bear them. God had determined to hide his eyes. He won't hear them. And, and, and that's a very terrible state. So now God looking at God having laid out all this great need, the dirty, rotten sinner need, the, 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 the ineffectiveness of the religion. that was a disturbing thing to him. And, and, and the fact that there's, they're not going to respond to chastening. God says, all right. And now he says, I'm going to present a solution to all your problems. I got a solution for you. I got an agreement for you. I got an invitation. And so God makes this wonderful invitation to them in in Isaiah Isaiah 118, when he says, in your state of all of it, he says in 118, come. He invites them to come. He says, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord though your sins, I know about them, they're they're as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they'll be as wool. So this is a marvelous invitation. God is saying, I know about all the terrible condition, about your kaput religion. And and he invites them to take my new agreement, take my new agreement. But God says now, he goes on to say, but the ball is 100% in your court. There's no such thing as God making decision for man as as Calvin taught and and it's no. So all anyone has to do is just to avail himself of what God has provided by way of disagreement. And then he goes on to describe in Isaiah 119, Isaiah 119, if ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. This all comes down to an, an issue of if ye, if ye, in, in verse 19, if ye be willing. And, and that is what God is hoping for, that he's going to be willing. Or the other op- option, that there, which was also available in verse 120, which is God says, I hope you don't do it. But he said, if ye refuse and rebel. Now, which leads us to the next question. The next question is, what does a person have to do to receive God's agreement that he's offering here, to be forgiven and cleansed of the sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus, what is he got to do? Well, the first thing he's got to do is to humble himself. And then he's got to really, be, really come square to this question that's being asked. Are you willing to humble yourself? And the second thing he's got to do, he's got to be willing to believe, willing to believe. And then of course, Are you really willing to believe that God became a man and died for your sins? and that that's the only sacrifice you need? Do you have the courage to believe amongst all your, your, your people? Do you have that? Let the fire, the next one is, let the fire be kindled. God said, I, I got a little kindling sticks here. I want you to, I want to, to let them go here like a fireplace, a little kindling Let the fire of love be kindled. Let the fire of love be kindled. Now, this decision does not come easy. There is typically a struggle in the soul. And this struggle in the soul, it, it, I, I can't think of, of anything that, that, that so graphically illustrates this trouble in the soul that the person goes through as they wrestle with these questions as a particular scene in Fiddler on the Roof. And Fiddler on the Roof. Now, by the way, i will to tell you right away, there have been many renditions of Fiddler on the Roof. But the original 1971 version with Zero Mostel is the best, and, and don't look at any other one; it'll ruin it for you. I mean, Zero Mostel was not a Jew, but he should be made an honorary Jew because of his place in that. All right. So now, there's a particular scene in Fiddler on the Roof that really illustrates this struggle of the soul. It's this scene. It's a scene where Tevye the father he rejects his daughter Chava. Chava means Eve because she married a Gentile. Uh, He rejects her because she married a Gentile. Now, that strikes just a little close to home for me, because because, uh, the play was started in Broadway in 1964, and the movie came out in 1971. And and in 1971, that was a a, a year after. uh, I was Kava, who married the Gentile. My father was Tevya, and I got rejected because of that. It was not because I became a Christian that I was rejected by my family. It was because I married a Gentile. So, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, okay, a little emotional, all right. So Chava has married the Gentile, and Tevya has rejected her. And Chava starts out one day, and she starts out with this one goal, I've got to find my father. And, 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 and he's in the field pushing his milk cart, and, and Chava finally finds her, uh, his, uh, his, her, her father, Tevya. Alone there, they're alone, and he's in the field there, like I say, pushing the milk cart. And it's the, 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 the scenes of the expressions on the faces tell it all. This scene shows the face of Tevya as he first sees Chava. And when he first sees her, you can see a look of tender love and, and, and affection, and a longingness just comes over uh, Tevya's face as if he's been missing her. And then Chava says to Tevya, Papa, I've been looking everywhere for you. And then Tevya's face shows this look of bewilderment and, and, and confusion as he doesn't know what to do. And, and he starts to move, move over towards her. And, 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 and that's when a decisive moment comes when his face changes. You see the face change of Tevya when it comes to, he comes to despise her. He comes to reject her. And he turns his, her, his back on her and moves away. And then Chava cries out, Papa, stop, Papa, please listen to me. Papa, Papa, I beg you to accept us. And and, and that plea once again gets to Tevya as he drops the handles of his milk cart and he starts to walk off by himself alone. And he's kind of going through a soul-searching time when this happens. And you can see again this internal struggle as he says to himself, Accept them? How can I accept them? can I deny everything I believe in? On the other hand, can I deny my own daughter? On the other hand, how can I turn my back on my faith and on my people? This is very relevant for the Jewish people. If, if I try and bend that far, I'll break. On the other hand, he stops, and goes, no, there is no other hand. And that was the critical time when Tevye made his final decision and he would no longer consider accepting his daughter. And then he goes into an emotional rage. You're yelling, no, Chava, no. And while Chava is pleading, Papa, Papa, and then Tevye pushes his milk cart cart, uh, uh, forward and, and Chava is left pleading, Papa, Papa. That is such a picture, such a graphic picture of the response of the Jewish people to the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ to them. To see this, all you have to do is just substitute the Lord Jesus Christ in the scene for Chava. Chava plays the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and think about how Chava represents the Lord Jesus and how Tevya represents the majority of Jewish people, the ones that aren't around it. And then see in Chava how the Lord Jesus searched everywhere, everywhere for him, like the Lord Jesus searches everywhere for that one lost soul. And how in Chava, how, how, how when he finds it, how Chava pleads, the Lord Jesus pleads, he begs with that lost soul to be saved. And see in Tevye that maybe moment, that maybe moment when he goes through that struggle with his on the other hand, on the other hand, on the other hand, till finally he says there is no other hand. And then there's, there's no reasoning, and it's all an emotional rage. And, 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 he, and during that time, he's thinking, no, if I turn to the Lord Jesus, I will be denying my faith. I will be denying my people. That's what the Jewish people say. And that's the final scene where we see a And just think of how that is, for the most part, the final scene that the summer blitzers find the Jewish people. And all those testimonies of those, those, those summer blitzers going all over, this is real to them. This is what they're seeing they're seeing this response of tevia where they are like Hava. And, and, and so now, those are the, 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 what we've seen in this is how it would have taken four things for Tevia in order for him to have accepted Hava. First, it would have taken Tevia humility to admit that he was wrong. Second, it would have taken him courage to do what others would not accept. Third, it would have taken him faith to believe that Chava was not gonna hurt him. And last, it would have taken him openness to a new relationship with Chava and her Gentile husband. And those are the same four things that it takes for anyone to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, God's covenant in his blood of the Lord Jesus. Humility, to bow low, to admit wrong. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Courage, to do what is not accepted by the people. Faith, to believe that God will not hurt me. And openness to what is a new and different relationship. And so we can add this great accomplishment of his blood to the list. It was the blood of the covenant or the agreement that God made to forgive us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, your covenant, to forgive us, to accept us, to adopt us, to make us a child of God. And we thank you, Lord, that the blood of the covenant was not just an animal, but it was the blood of your own son. Thank you for this great accomplishment, Lord Jesus, to give the blood of the covenant in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box seven one one three P.O. Box seven one one three three zero 330 Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at eight hundred two four seven three zero five one. 247 3051 Reach Israel. Join Tom Cancer for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration only $99 includes a 2-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com